0: Let's see. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, we're going Hey everybody, Killer Cereals. This is Tony Jones. Ryan Parker. Couple dudes who talk about TV.
0: Oh, also also construction workers upstairs. Construction workers upstairs. In case you hear anything in the background. And
1: probably my kids coming in from school since it's finals week here. Oh, no. Yeah, there has been a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Say it ain't
0: so hey, happy New Year everybody. Yeah, you guys had a we time we, off.
1: we took about a month off, which is what they do in Europe. So we thought, you know... We're
0: both Europeans at heart. Let's just be honest.
1: (laughs) So true. So true. Uh, They take a month of holiday, and then probably do we take six weeks off in the summer, too?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least a a month. Did you see that, like, Finland
1: Finland, um, tried to institute a four-day work week, and it turned out it was a total failure. Like... Why? Like their GDP completely tanked, and oh no, that extra
0: day, man, that Friday—who knew that 20%, Friday was so important? Twenty
1: percent of the work week, so
0: it's on Friday. Who knew? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so, anyways, we are diving into a favorite show of ours. It's called The Path. It's on Hulu. And full disclosure, Ryan and I have been engaged by The Path in the future. So
0: yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some interesting work with them that we can say more about later. Yeah, but just and so you know, I mean, in the we, meantime, we're in and,
1: we're invested. We, we really like this show. We're invested with it, and, and 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 we've come to know the creator Jess, whom you may remember bit, was on the yep. podcast last year during yep. episode. Hope one, to have her back. Her. Hope
0: to have her back this season.
1: Yeah, so we've just had some great conversations with her and. And are you know exploring possibilities with her about stuff, and she obviously is is a fan of the podcast, which is a lot of fun. So,
0: and and uh, you know we we're here with season two. We've got early access to the to the episodes, to all the episodes for season two, which is going to be helpful for us in getting these out timely. So we're going to try to do that. Have one out every. What would what would that be? The well, they, like on the they're, Thursday they're, mornings, they're premiering on Wednesdays. Their episodes
1: drop on Wednesdays. I'm going to say, so we'll try to Probably do Thursday Wednesday mornings. Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that Jess told us is she was kind of hoping that the show would drop as one big bundle so that people could binge it. But Hulu and Universal TV have decided that they, they're going to put this out, like, in a more traditional format where it drops every week, once a week. So it'll just be interesting to see, you know, as TV evolves, um, how these some of these shows that we binge... I mean, I know I'm getting on a plane later today, and I plan to watch uh, The Man in the High Castle the whole, you know, the last six episodes of Season 2, and just one after the other on a, on a couple plane flights.
0: Yeah, and and... You know, people talk about um, even, even people who binge shows and shows that are bingeable, that all the episodes are released at once. You have people who ha- consistently have a backlog of things they want to watch, right? So it's, it shows on Netflix. But you do see a lot of people who, whether it's, it's cable or network where the shows release every week. I talk to a lot of people who say, I'm, I record it on the DVR or I'm going to wait until it's all available at yeah, once and just absolutely. watch it, which I think it's the new reading. Right, it's the new novel.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: So, yeah, because when uh, you sit
1: down, they 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 don't. It's interesting because the whole idea of serials came from, you know, back in the day when Charles Dickens released A Christmas Carol chapter by chapter in the newspaper every day as a serial.
0: Yeah, and I think there's something about that I do appreciate a little bit about um, Hulu making people wait because there's a show. There are shows like The Path, which I think are a little deeper. That may benefit from some like reflection or some anticipation, or yeah. you know, people do talk about shows. So if they're watching it, it's something to digest over a week before jumping into the next episode. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of so speaking up, of, got
0: the first episode of season two. Speaking which, of
1: jumping in, I,
0: January twenty fifth.
1: Here's my first so it's impression. Just aired, here's my first impression of of uh, episode one of season two. Is and it's interesting, uh, Jess was the writer. This is the first episode she's ever written of the show she created. I don't really? Think she, yeah, I don't think she had writer's Did credit. Did you go back and check no, but episode I'm, one? No, but I remember her telling me, me season that. one? But okay. I could be wrong, but I think so. Is how much is revealed. A lot of things that okay. you think would be kept secret are revealed in that first episode. So, for instance, we know that Steve is dead. We see his dead body. Now, we don't know how he died. We don't know if Eddie pushed him off the cliff or if Cal pushed him off the cliff. We don't if know. It if, was a,
0: if it was a natural occurrence.
1: We don't know if Eddie's having a hallucination about being on top of the cliff with Steve or if that actually happened in real life. We don't know. But we know he's dead and we know Cal knows he's dead.
0: But what's interesting is, even though you're talking about how much has been revealed, you just asked a whole bunch of questions that we don't know the answer and to of still. Course, so of it's kind of cool what you're showing and what they're not showing. Of
1: course, the community thinks that, that he ascended into the light.
0: Oh, and Cal also reveals that he killed Silas?
1: That's crazy. To Sarah? That he tells Sarah he killed Silas. I did not see that coming. But it's like he needs to cleanse his conscience and his guilt. And he needs to, you know, this is the case, right? So many times with people who do horrendous, horrific things in real life, they end up admitting it to somebody because they can't live with the secret alone. And then as a result of admitting it to somebody, they get found out. Now, it's interesting that Cal tells Sarah that he has killed Silas because at some point in Sarah's conscience, there's going to be a threshold that's going to be crossed from, I need to protect the community and the religion at the expense of the truth. And she's going to and say, no, now you've, done, now you've gone too far. You've done something too terrible. Now I have to turn you in, even if it's at the expense of the community. So it's just going to be fascinating to watch this season play out now that she knows that Cal is actually a murderer.
0: You know, I like I like the tension you've drawn out because it's something that I, w- I wanted us to talk about. Is she when she pulls into the parking lot to drop the kids off to meet Eddie for his birthday? There's a line of dialogue where she says, "There is a truth that is more true than the truth in our book." That's right. Do you remember that line? Yes. So do you get you start to get into the you start getting into like. uh Thoughts of like divine revelation, right? Soul competency, all these religious terms. But the question is whose truth is greater than the truth in the book because she and Cal represent dueling truths Uh in this first episode and who's going to win out, right? He wants to remain true to his vision of the movement, not necessarily the founder. And she seems to want to be true to experience the experience of truth, wherever that may be found. Mm-hmm. She's wrestling with how to respond to Eddie, right? Yeah. She thinks there's a greater truth than being faithful to the movement, which would say they have to completely shun Eddie because he's, you know, moved on.
1: Right. So she's but truth. She's breaking the rules by letting her kids see Eddie.
0: But she seems to be faithful to a bigger rule, right? Yeah.
1: But she's also teaching her kids it's okay to break the rules. Which yeah. I think I would guess that's something that's gonna come back to bite her.
0: Well Hawk see you see that a little bit with Hawk, right, and his new friend when they go and kind of quote unquote attack that the you know, there's this thing going on where they don't really explain it greatly right. or in great detail about there's a business that's polluting water yeah. and people are getting cancer. And they somehow exist apart from that. They have their own water. But Hawk goes in the middle of the night and they put a tainted water on their front porch and then they break a window. You know, this woman, to me, it's interesting to see if they're, because that's also a truth, right? You're also wrestling with this truth. Do you exist apart from political, cultural struggles or do you get into the fray? And if so, how do you do it? Is she representing some sort of, terrorist-light fringe of the movement, right, because she wants to get involved.
1: Let's talk about this for a second, because this is obviously something that they built in this first episode, and it's going to keep coming up. These people, you're right, they don't really explain it, maybe as well as they could have in the show, but um, this, this group of people are saying our kids are getting cancer, or whatever. We want you to help us. Like, the politicians won't listen to us, the cops won't listen to us. Sarah's response is basically we're not political activists we don't get involved we look to the light and then we see later in the episode that uh, a, a few of them including the undercover FBI agent and hawk and his new his new you know love interest it seems um, they're delivering water which let me just tell you i i've lifted a lot of those 5 gallon blue plastic jugs of water and they don't move that lightly <laughs> oh my gosh that's, I was like the two the two little production things I wish would have been a little more realistic are the dead fawn, which is like <laughs> a doll. Okay, you hunter. Yeah, I've I've held dead animals before. That's not a, and the other thing was those water jugs were like one quarter full because I yeah. think man those things are freaking heavy. heavy. You don't stand there and have a conversation while you're holding one. Yeah, um, you like, anyway, get this out of here. You yeah. know, but what's interesting is. What the, what the outside community wants the people um, in the Myrist movement to do is to become politically active. And their response is, we're not activists. We're re- we retreat from politics and culture. We don't dive into politics and culture. We'll deliver your water, but we're not gonna meet with politicians. Now, it's interesting in this, the first week of this new administration, having just been through the inauguration, where there were protests in every major city in the country and people did everything they could to, to be politically active and disrupt the inauguration of Orange Hitler. And I, it's interesting now, right as that's happening in our real world, there's this TV show where this religious group is being challenged to become politically active. Their response is, we're going to bring you clean water. But what they really want is, no, you need to attack the root of the problem, and that's the politics.
0: It's, it's been really interesting to see in recent weeks, especially since we've been on our break from the podcast, in light of the election and with the, with the inauguration, is uh, even in the church that I go to in Los Angeles, there's, there's tension and, and conversation. I wouldn't say arguments, because everybody's pretty much on the same page that we need to do something. But what is that something that we're going to do as a church, and how are we going to move forward? Uh, in and this new and, moment, and going, and, and I think that's taking place across the country as and you led, pointed well, out.
1: Last week, the last week there was, in the two weeks leading up to the inauguration, there was a lot of um, strife online about whether or not the um, National Cathedral, the Episcopal National Cathedral in Washington D.C., should host an interfaith prayer service, which they always have for a century. Um, for every inauguration and i happen to know the bishop of washington dc and she was in all these news reports but meanwhile she's getting criticized by other episcopal bishops and the former dean of the cathedral is saying he never would have done it and they you know and and their response is we stand as a beacon of faithfulness in washington dc and we're not going to pick and choose which politicians we pray for and other people are saying, no, this one's different. You know, this is what we, you need to become politically active. And so that is, in real life, there's a religious institution struggling with the question of how politically active should they be.
0: Yeah, and you, and it's really, it's interesting that we have a uh, this episode in a show like this that is straight away raising two very key questions that resonate with all people of faith, all, especially professional clergy, which is who's truth, right, what truth, and how do we implement that yeah. in in our lived experience. Yeah. So that will be interesting to see how they carry, if and how they carry those forward in the right. second season. Right, right.
1: And then another thing I want to talk to you about is, what is your take on that auction when Cal bids? I mean, first of all, he's in the council meeting, and they don't even want him to pay $4 million for that building, and then he bids $5 million for that building. And, um... It's interesting, you know, um, Sarah's interaction with her brother, who's kind of a like a meathead pothead, and he's like, "Why did you send me to do your dirty work? I can't stand up to Cal. This is he's
0: a he's a bit of a wet noodle, right? He he whines about her wanting to go.
1: He plays that character perfectly.
0: Oh, he's great! And then he goes, and then he realizes, oh, this is why she wanted me to go. And then he's still upset that he didn't do anything. You know, I think Cal's starting to to show that there's a difference between what do you make of him listening to because. I'm gonna fold this back into answer yeah. your question. He's listening to this podcast or whatever he, a sermon he's listening to about Jesus right. early in the episode. I think Cal shows the real difference between wanting to be like Jesus and wanting to follow Jesus and then thinking that you're at an actual Messiah. And I think that Cal thinks a little bit more towards that latter part and is willing to do whatever he thinks needs to be done to kind of execute, you know, pardon the pun, his vision yeah which might which is overpaying for this property
1: yeah i mean of course another it's another kind of parallel to real life right now and that's where somebody who's a leader is so clearly exhibiting signs of mental illness in a very public way and cal's starting to that's, show like that's right he's not just like he's not just um a power hungry asshole like we saw a re- little glimpse of his you know, his alcoholic mom in her ratty apartment in last season who, I don't know if you noticed, knew this, but I didn't know it till I was reading up on that was Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Oh my
0: God. She's not looking very good. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess she fit that role. perfectly. I guess
1: she's having a lot of health problems herself and that's why she doesn't work much anymore, but she did fit that role perfectly. And I think Cal's exhibiting like significant mental illness. And yet they're not going to call it that, you know, um, and especially in a religious community like that.
0: Well, he's also has a crisis too, like crisis of faith where you see at the end towards the end of the first episode where he tells her, um, I was afraid I devoted my life to a story. Yeah. Right. And, you know. But then he said, you know, it doesn't matter as long as the work is real. And I, I, I don't know, like, that, that line for me is, we all devote our lives to stories. Yeah. What story do we tell ourselves? Is it the story that Donald Trump tells himself, yeah. which is completely anti-Christian?
1: That's right. That's
0: right. Or do we live by the story that is embodied in well,
1: and, Jesus? Well, and, and other, you know, it, they find uh, Stephen Meyer's body toward the end of the episode, and it's found by Richard and a couple other kind of the senior leadership group of, of the Myrist movement. And they're going to have to make this choice, too, because they've been telling everybody, or at least they've been believing Cal when he said, you know, that Stephen Meyer ascended into the light. And now they find his dead body at the bottom of a cliff. And the question is going to be, are they so committed to the community? Like, somebody's going to flip, don't you think? Somebody from inside is going to flip and be like, "This, this thing is... This thing is a lie. Dr. Stephen Meyer he did not ascend to the light. He was pushed off a cliff, or he jumped yeah. off a cliff.
0: To keep the tension and the conflict going, they're going to have to.
1: It's just like the people but who in can... Scientology. And, and how about, and I mean the great quote, there is no fucking light at the, at, that uh, Eddie says right at the beginning of the episode.
0: Which is funny, because guess what happens to Eddie at the end? Yeah. He is marked. He's been told he's the chosen son. Right. To follow in the path, and I mean that's got to so be something
1: else happened on that cliff that's going to something be happened
0: that he's wrestling with at the end, and he's marked very physically, visibly. Right. Which we remember
1: yeah. from the last uh, season that that happens kind of to a couple of people where they kind of there's some kind of lightning thing, and then you know they strap that thing on their testicles and hold the buttons and you know that kind of deal. So there's
0: yeah, I'm seeing if I can't get one of those in the mail. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we should. It reminds me of uh, remember Napoleon Dynamite when Napoleon Dynamite's brother orders the, uh, or no, his uncle orders the um, time machine so he can go back and like be the high school quarterback.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you think I can throw this football over those mountains?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's the contraption doesn't look that different from that contraption in the Napoleon Dynamite. it's all
0: this. It's probably the same thing.
1: (laughs) They just found it in a in a production box somewhere. Pulled it out. Well, um, the last thing is, you, you know, the, the, the last thing I'd say is kind of a, we often look for characters in these shows that we're discussing that, um, you know, are struggling with a moral quandary and actually aren't, aren't characters who are painted as purely good or purely evil, but are kind of in that gray moral area in between. And that's the, for me, that FBI agent who's embedded himself in this community and makes a pass at, you know, somebody, at at Sarah's uh, Sarah's sister-in-law.
0: Which is clearly him trying to go further undercover, right? Well, I mean, then we get... I hope he is. I hope it is, because I like him.
1: I know I like him, but then he goes home, and he has kind of a tense interchange with his wife who's home raising three kids while he's undercover for weeks. She doesn't at like time. him
0: being gone all the time. yeah. understandable.
1: So, and they've had this struggle with their daughter's health and all that. Um and the, you know, so it's he's going to be an interesting character because at one point he's like the the community was the only pe- the Myris were the only people who stuck by him when his kid was sick. Um he's delivering water, so he's helping them out. But he's also like dancing in a field and trying to make one R, um, and and so it's just I'm just gonna be fascinated. I, I'm glad I like his character. Uh, I think there's so much
0: to see. I mean, uh, the, I think the, in my opinion, the first episode has given us more than enough to keep people hooked. Yeah, and they're gonna release the first two episodes on the 25th, so people can go right into the to the second episode. So I think there's enough, you, you talk about what, what's the direction for Cal, what's the direction for Abe, the FBI agent, for Eddie, for yeah. Sarah. I mean, it's all there. There's so many choices that they're going to have to make, that the characters are going to have to make.
1: And by the way, if you're just catching this, you know, if you're just catching this podcast and you never got around to watching The Path, the entire first season of The Path is available for free on Hulu's YouTube channel so yeah
0: it's awesome no excuse yeah burn no through excuse, it baby the
1: whole thing well i'm looking forward to it and um it'd be fun maybe later in the season we can get some of the people cast members or creator or whatever on the on the podcast i bet yeah i think we really can do it realm of possibility
0: Yep. Yeah. all right well thanks everybody
1: thanks for listening
0: thanks, thanks tony
1: thanks ryan all right we'll later. see you next week next week bye-bye